what we're trying to do today, Vision Sunday, is not just about pilgrim vision. And like I said last week, we started off, if we're going to start talking about vision, first we got to talk about the Imago Dei, the image of God. When we were created, God gave us his image. That's why when we see someone else, it doesn't matter what they look like, where they've been, what they're doing now. The Bible from the very beginning says that person has the Imago Dei. It doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are. It doesn't matter if they can even speak our own language, if they can hold their own, they have the Imago Dei. And if they have the Imago Dei, they deserve our respect because that's the image of God in them. And through the Imago Dei, what we receive is the Missio Dei, which is the mission of God. This is our identity as Christians as people of God. Who are we? We are people that exist to glorify God. And as we glorify God, we see our purpose being fulfilled and we start to come alive. And we can enjoy things that we thought we could enjoy without God, but we didn't. But when we have God and we glorify God, all these things start coming together and it becomes a beautiful picture of how God created us and what God created us it's to glorify God. We glorify God by making disciples, by blessing our neighbor, by doing all these things that God is teaching us. And how we are going to specifically do it is the Visio Day. So this is the second installment of our Mission and Vision Sundays. This is something that I particularly don't enjoy doing, but I guess it's necessary. So hopefully I could just do it once and never again. And then we could just do it in a newcomer thing. So you all have been initiated as a post today. But Visio Day, our vision, what we want to do specifically as we follow God and his leading. Not, not what Pilgrim Church is about, but what God is leading us. Um, it's interesting as we launch, uh, I couldn't help but to make the comparison and the irony that my dad is retiring today. And so I can't stay here long. Um, I have to go to the retirement service. It's across like two bridges. And my dad has been serving uh, his church for 29 years. December of 1986, I think he started. And he's retiring today. And I, I was just thinking about my dad's life and all the things that he went through. And I shared a little bit about him uh, the first week of this month. And he's one of my spiritual heroes, no doubt. And I guess I don't talk about him enough for a spiritual hero, but I'll share this one thing. Uh, we as a pastor's family grew up a little poor. We suffered a little bit, sure, but who doesn't, right? And so I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a sob story, but you know, the ironic part was that he suffered under the hands of the people that supposedly said, you are our shepherd and pastor, and then, you know, we'll give you a fourth of minimum wage or something like that. And then what he did was he would, he would even give that little back to the church because the church needed it to grow. So from a church of 12 people or a dozen people, then we had a few hundred and I believe it is by the grace of God and because he was humble enough to be obedient. And so uh, I just look at his life and I am so inspired 
by him, but I remember one conversation among many, one conversation I had with him, I said, Dad, how can you not be bitter? How can you not be bitter? These people who claim they love God, oh, they love the pastor. A lot of people come up to me, Pastor, oh, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to serve the church. I'll be devoted. You know, whatever you need, let me know. I grew up hearing that all the time said to my dad, right? So um, not that I don't believe you. I believe you all you guys. You guys are awesome, right? But I'm just saying this is what I grew up hearing from my dad. And a lot of people betrayed him, you know, they they would backstab him. They would say things and never come through. And that would really hurt him, especially when it came to, like, things. He would just give things away, money away, money that we didn't have. And then they would just go and disappear. But I would, I would ask him, Dad, how can you not be bitter? Because I, in my heart, I was thinking to myself, I'm bitter for him, for you. I actually hate these guys because of the way you had to suffer. And he just looked at me in the eye and he said, well, I guess God will give me my reward. <laughs> That's all he said. And I just shut up. I was like, wow. Yeah, so he is kind of my spiritual hero. Um, and it's just, I thought it was also ironic as we launch, he's retiring. And so I wanted to start off with that because... There's always a beginning and an end, no matter what. And I, I say this to a lot of people, but if you like music, a song's beginning and its end is probably the, one of the most important things you can have if you compose a song. You can have a wonderful climax, a beautiful intro, a wonderful hook, but if your beginning and end is not good, then that song is going to suffer. It's not going to be that good. The beginning and end is so important. And interestingly enough, uh, Pablo Han isn't here, but we have another pastor. He became a pastor. We went to a diner. He was wearing his Greek shirt. And uh, it said, Doulos in the back. In suburban, it's two minutes away from here. I guess the owner is Greek. And he's like, do you know what that shirt means? And he's like, yeah. We, we take ancient Greek in uh, seminary. It means slave. He's like, oh, very good. And then he kept on talking to us. He's like, do you know what love is? I'm like, yeah, it's agape. He's like, no, it's agapo, right? And it's like, okay, fine. If you change the tense here, yes, if I love someone, it's agapo you, sure. He's like, you know why it's agapo? Because it starts with the alpha and ends with the omega, so from beginning to end, we Greeks say, I will love you. It's like, wow, I've just been schooled by a diner owner, <laughs> and I took ancient Greek. That's all right. But then, like, I just realized God is on the move, and he is teaching us. The question is, are your eyes open? Are your ears attentive to what he is doing in your life? He can speak to anybody. They have the Imago Dei. And so... We were blessed by that, and he, he knew we were Christians. And we went again that later t that, that night, and the hostess remembered us. He's like, you were here just before. Why are you here again? So I like the food. He's like, are you going to order the same thing? He's like, no. This is why we go to a diner, so we can order different things. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then we, we had dinner there too. But the beginning and the end are so important. So as we launch, it's so important we get this. Vision Sunday. 
isn't about pilgrim vision. It's about God. It's about God, period. And how he is launching us into the future. And so if we are going to do this, uh, I want to start off because a lot of college students have already left, but some are leaving after today. I want to give you a reminder about what I learned in my short days in seminary. I mean that as a joke. It's very long. It was very arduous. Um, but when I first went as a freshman, my teacher taught me that the root word for learn and teach in Hebrew is the same. So the word for learn and teach, the root of that, these two words in Hebrew is the same. That blew my mind as a freshman. And I was like, that is incredible. Because there is so much wisdom in that. Learn and teach, the root is the same. And I used that. So every time I would learn something, I found it necessary for me to teach it to complete my learning. And every time I wanted to teach something, I found it necessary to continue to learn so that I, my teaching could be good or better. And so those two are necessary to be put together because they have the same root. And after my years in seminary, my last class, I actually took Hebrew and I decided to look up, is this true? Because, you know, you have to test everything. So is there a word? Is there a root word for learn and teach? And yes, there was. I bet I can call on someone they would know, right? But it is Aleph, Lamed, and Peh, or the Alp, right? A-L-P. Aleph, Lamed, and Peh. And I learned that the call in perfect form was to teach the peel in perfect, I'm sorry, the call in perfect form was to learn and the peel in perfect form was to teach. But I continued to search and I found in Psalm 144, verse 13, Aleph, Lamed, Peh was used again. And this time it was used as to produce a thousandfold. To produce a thousandfold. So the root of learn, to teach, and to produce a thousandfold is the same. That means we have to have it all. We have to learn with everything that we have. We have to learn. We have to devote ourselves to learning and being humble before God. To come into his presence and sit and learn to listen instead of babbling. And then we have to teach what God has shown us. We have to go out there and we have to share it with the world. And thirdly, God will bless you or us to produce a thousandfold because that's what it means to learn and to teach. So as far and wide, we have to go high and deep. We need to go extensive with our learning, with our teaching and our discipleship. So how are we specifically going to do this? If you receive the bulletin, I did put in three points. So it is inspired by this. And that is to first invite, the second invest, and third imagine. Now you can see where I got it from, right? To invite. So we want to start inviting people into church, yes. But we want to invite people to know about Jesus Christ. So we don't just want to talk about it. Our hope that we can make disciples. We want to invite people to become 
a disciple of Christ. And I want to tell you how you can do that. You do that by praying for them, number one. Is there someone that doesn't know Christ in your life? And there, the answer is yes, there is. There has to be. Whether you go to school, whether you go to work, there is. Unless you live right here in the office. Not that anybody would. But if you live right there in the office, you don't ever get out. Maybe you won't ever meet someone. But once you get out of this building, which everybody invariably does, you will meet somebody. That person, perhaps God has placed in your heart. Start by praying for them. And ask the Holy Spirit to guide them. Lead them. When you see it, when you see that opportunity, you extend the invitation. Because you're constantly praying for them. And you're constantly concerned about them. Because you want them to know Christ. The greatest thing that you have ever experienced in your life. The most beautiful being that has ever come into your life. Why would you not want to share it, right? So begin by praying. And that's how we invite. And so we have a lot of ministries to do, uh, to do exactly this. We have sports. Uh, we have barbecues. We have homecoming banquets, goodbye banquets, you know, things of that sort. But they're all so that we can invite people into Christ. Number two, it's to invest. And we don't just invest. It's so that we can invest as Jesus invested in us. Now we have to look at how Jesus invested. If you read the Bible, any part of the Bible, any, any one of the Gospels, Jesus is walking around. He's doing healings. He's doing miracles. He's doing all these things. He's preaching. But during his last days, here on this earth, you have a final few moments. And like two years ago when we went to Japan, we, we would ask people, what would you do if... Today was your last day on earth. We asked people that. And then once we had it, we'd write it down. We'd take a picture and we'd put them up on a website and say, you can find your picture on the website. It's very much like humans of New York. We call it, we call it, I think, people of Tokyo. Something like that. And I'm sorry, what was it? Faces of Tokyo, right. And, uh, well, that sounds kind of weird now. But we thought it was cool back then. And then uh, we would ask people. Um, and they would say, like, oh, what would you do? If today was your last day on earth, what would you do? And they would respond, oh, I would hang out with my friends. I'd play some video games. I would call my mom, something like that. And we would write it down. But what did Jesus do? On his last days on earth, he could have. This, this was God incarnate, man, fully man, going around if he just spoke something, it happened. If he wanted you to walk, you would start walking. If he wanted you to be healed, you would be healed. If you had zero eyes, he could give you eyes. When he preached, thousands of people gathered. If you're hungry, he could be like, all right, here's a few pieces of bread. Let's just spread it around. And you have 12 baskets left over after 5,000 people are full. This is a man that could do anything he wanted. What did he do? In the last few days on earth, he spent it with just 11 people, his disciples. He decided to invest in his disciples. This is what we mean. Invest in others as Jesus invested in us. So Jesus spends an inordinate amount of time with his disciples, especially during his last moments. 
he spends it because why? They were worth investing in? These are people he pleaded with. This is God pleading with a human being, just stay up, please pray with me. And they couldn't even do that. Half-hearted disciples, but he spent all his time with them. It's not because we were worth investing in. That's why we invest in other people, even though it's not convenient to us. In fact, we invest in people, especially because it is inconvenient to us. That's what investing is. Because it is inconvenient, we're still going to do it in spite of it being inconvenient. And as we invest, we go on to point number three. I'll run through this again later, but going to point number three is to imagine. Now through discipleship, you give people a new story, a new plot, a new hero. And then you can start imagining different possibilities. What happens when we do this? You get a different outcome. Without Jesus, what outcome could you possibly imagine? Without Jesus... There is only really one. You may not admit it, but deep down, you know it. In the end, it will not end well. Even if you're like Stephen Hawking, as brilliant as the man is, if there is no God and there's nothing after death, your life is depressing. There's nothing that's worth doing anything now. Because in the end, you're just going to die. Where death is the supreme and great reality, your enjoyment of anything is never fully satisfying. So what happens? Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in and he has defeated death. Gives us a new reality. And says, now you have a new possibility. A new outcome. Now there is true hope joy and completeness shalom and so that is what jesus did for us and this is why we can imagine new possibilities we want to do these three things well that's why we become a healthy church we don't just want to keep on inviting and inviting inviting and just become boys and girls club we don't want to just keep on investing 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 and all we do is teach 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 and do nothing and all we do is become a pharisee we don't want to just imagine, imagine, imagine without knowing anything about God and what the possibilities really are through the Vizio day. But we want all these three things to come together. And that builds a healthy church. We want to become a church that when we gather, we love God. We worship God as one. And when we scatter, we want to be a church that's bold and courageous that can proclaim the gospel, no matter where we are. When we're gathered to encourage, recharge its members, rejuvenate. And when we scatter, we can help the poor, give justice to the marginalized, heal the sick. When we gather, we can teach what to do when scattered. And when scattered, we can help others by inviting them and helping them also to gather. So we want to be a church that gathers and scatters. And for that, I have one last illustration 
because um, our time is short. I'll just give one more illustration. And that's it. How incredibly foolish it would be if we were a team like this. Um, <clears throat> I think in a month, we have our football tournament that goes on. Ben always asked, why are people from New Jersey so big and jacked? And I said, no, it's just our church because we love football. So we have this uh, inner church, inter-church football league, and we all face each other. And we all start off by saying, oh, this is in fellowship in Christ. But during the game, something changes and we start hating each other. And then we start throwing down curses. But in the beginning, it's good. Hopefully, we'll end well, right? Alpha, omega, boom. Okay. Um, and so how incredibly foolish would it be if we were a football team that all we did was huddle? Let's huddle. I'm going to make the play. Uh, imagine I'm Ho-young because he's the, he's the quarterback. You're going to run these routes team I'm going to kind of shift over to the left so I want the line to protect me on the left side I want Sejong I want you to go out and take this route slant right and then I want you to do your jumping catch like that right that's his, that's his signature move and so he does this move I want you to do that and everybody's getting excited yeah this is what we're gonna do we're psyched this is American I'm just kidding uh this is um this is how we play the game and then you keep on huddling and then you're like, break, and then we go home. That's stupid. That's not even a game. We would go on the sidelines like, what is this idiocy? We would be the ones throwing down curses, right? Give me my money back, even though I didn't pay anything. You got to pay me to come here. But that would be foolish. That would be foolish. We can't just keep on huddling, keep on learning, and not go out and do anything. But you can't, you can't have a team without the huddle, obviously. And I think the reason why I'm not focusing on that is because I think we know that. You're all here because you know that, right? We know about the huddle. But the huddle is going to break. You have to go out there. And so this is where we want to strategize. We'll have small groups. We'll have worship on Wednesday, first of every month that's coming up. We have a weekly prayer meeting on Monday, every Monday. I said Wednesday, right? Worship Wednesday? Okay. We have a weekly prayer meeting on Monday in Edgewater that you could go to. And you can gather prayer requests from anybody, anybody, coworkers. And you bring it on Monday. We pray for you on Monday. We have all these things going on. But we want to be a church that's scattered after we know the mission, the plan, and the vision as we huddle. So when, when this is over... Um, when we say break, that's our mission. That's our goal. That's our vision. To go out there and be the church outside. The church does not end once we have a charge or benediction. That's not when the church ends. The church isn't these four walls or this building at all. In fact, this building should help us, remind us, point to what the church really is. The church is us. What does that mean? That means when we gather with the church, that means when we scatter, we're still the church. That's why it doesn't make any sense when we say, oh, now that I'm in this building, let me act a certain way. Oh, I better not lie. Oh, I better not tell this type of joke. That's why I tell any kind of joke inside. Okay. But this is why we should be the church inside and outside. Gathered with the church. But scattered 
we're still the church. So I hope that we could get this. This is what Jesus Christ was saying. We make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all the commandments that I have told you. And I will be with you. That's the promise he gave us. That's what we hold on to. If you're in college and you're going to leave, know that our prayers are for you. But you are the church scattered. I want you to be a light in that campus. I want you to show people what it means to be a Christian. Even if there is no church in your campus, you start praying. You start gathering. And you start ministering. You start making these things happen so that people will see Jesus and be like, who are you a part of? Why are you doing this? And you have a banner that says Jesus. And if you're in your workplace, I want people to start being curious. It's like, why, why do you act a certain way? Why are you different from others? Oh, it's not because I'm different. It's because Jesus is in me. He changed my life. And he's changing me day by day. I want us to be a testimony. So instead of pilgrim being our banner, I want Jesus to be our banner. And that's why I, I asked the praise team to... Uh, to do this song, Build Your Kingdom Here. Um, I thought that was very well done. Could we give them a hand? Because it was very difficult, very difficult. But that's our prayer. Build your kingdom, God, here on this earth. It sounds a little bit like a hoedown, but it isn't, it isn't. It was supposed to be more like hipster. But I think it's okay. We can do a hoedown, that's fine. Korean Americans hold down perfect. Uh, but we're going to sing it again. I'm going to invite the praise team members up here. And let's sing this as a prayer. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness flee. You know, we want Jesus to shine in this place and as we scatter outside, wherever we go. And that is my dream. That is my vision. And I hope it is yours too as we begin this journey together. And after this song, I want to invite Pastor John, if he would, to please give us the benediction. Uh, but uh, why don't we all rise as we uh, sing this one last song and Pastor John uh, gives us the benediction. But let's pray first. God, we just want to thank you for this time. We want to thank you for implanting your vision in us, giving us a passion for your name, God, for we know it is your passion that led us to you. So God, we thank you. Put this seed in our hearts and let it grow so that we can produce fruit 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Help us to glorify you and build your kingdom. Bless us in this endeavor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Set your rule and reign in our.
trees in us we pray unveil why we're made come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls holy spirit come invade us now and we are your church we need your power in us Your kingdom first We hunger and we thirst Refuse to waste our lives For your our joy and pride To see the captive's hearts released The hurt, the sick, the poor at peace Lay down our lives for heaven's call And we are your church
I wasn't texting during the service. I was taking some notes. Pastor Eugene mentioned that I was a, a copywriter. And what a copywriter does is distill a lot of information into a short, catchy phrase that people can remember. And what I heard today from the testimony that we heard early, before the sermon and throughout the sermon was identity is mission. God gives us our identity. God tells us who we are, that we belong to him, and that gives us our mission. That is good news that we are to share with all the world. And Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And I know some of you are thinking, I'm not ready to make disciples. I'm barely a disciple myself. I haven't taken the newcomer class yet. How can I, how can I make disciples? Or some of you are thinking, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm comfortable where I am. Why do I need to, to go somewhere? I just want to say two things. First, you, I went to Korea, but you don't have to go across the world to make disciples. You can go across town. You can go across the street. You can go across the room. God is breaking barriers all over the place, not just internationally, but um, barriers that exist that we don't see. And the other thing I want to say um, for those of you who are thinking, I'm comfortable where I am, um, God's yes is stronger than our no. And if you want to know what I mean by that, come talk to me uh, after the service. Um, and I will just, I will challenge you, and we heard the word uncomfortable and inconvenient in the sermon. Uh, I will challenge you, um, if, the, if you're feeling that, if quite comfortable where you are, pray, God, make me uncomfortable. Whatever that might mean to you, just pray that prayer and see what happens. But I'm warning you, <laughs> it's, a, it's a powerful prayer. And now, we have been the church gathered so let us be the church scattered. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen.